Peter Greenberg is with us. Um, of course, you know him from WGN Radio's very own Eye on Travel, which is on WGN Radio tomorrow, Saturdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Sometimes the time changes, but I think lately it's been staying from 4 to 6. Hi, Peter. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing very well. Um, so, listen, I feel like our time of you just being stuck at home is going to be ending soon. I feel like you've probably got travel plans coming up very soon. Uh, you're absolutely correct. I'm getting ready to go. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, there are only a few places that we can go mm-hmm. if you're going to get because you're not going to go overseas. You know, there are 196 countries in the world, 100% of them have some kind of travel restriction in place, and about 70% of those have, like, the 14-day quarantine. So, Wait a minute. That, Repeat that again? I need to write that down. <laughs> yeah. There are, not, there are about 70% of the 196 countries out there have a restriction in place that is not going to let guys from the United States okay. go because we're a hotspot. Mm. So that's that 14-day quarantine, which means that effectively takes care of all of uh, vacation travel right there. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, one, I'm very grateful that you're going to be with us until um, 9 o'clock because I know you're very busy. And But I'm glad that we got you now because I know that once you're on the go, you're on the go. So are you able to divulge where you're going to be heading to soon or no? Well, to tell you the truth, we normally broadcast our radio show mm-hmm. from a different location in the world every week. Right. So it's somewhat of a surprise when we do it. Now, for the last 13 weeks... We've done it from New York in the bunker, and now, you know, in the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll be getting ready to go. Okay. All right. Well, you know, you talked about the quarantine for um, when you're traveling to foreign countries, but there's quarantines. I'm hearing, like, Hawaii has a quarantine, right? Yeah, well, Hawaii is, is an interesting test case. They're really not going to open uh, till around the 15th of August. And for a country, for, I almost said a country, for a state like that, that has a tourist-driven economy, where the unemployment right now is over 42 percent. Wow. Uh, they are in desperate straits because not only uh, do they desperately need us, 40 uh, percent of their market is from Asia, and we all know, mm-hmm. you know, pandemic stuff, it's crazy. So remember, Hawaii is the state that was very, very concerned about invasive species to protect their agriculture mm-hmm. and their crops. Well, guess who the new invasive species are? It's us. <laughs> and so... Uh, we all want to go to Hawaii, but we're not going to get there at least until August. Is there a state that we would be surprised to know that has a quarantine? A state that has one? Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, we, we are not the United States of America. We are the fractured states of America. <laughs> yeah. We are all acting in our own self-interest. Every state is different. And there's no, look, the CDC issued guidelines on when you could open, how you should open, mm-hmm. under what circumstances, and 28 states ignored it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's every state for themselves. So definitely research that. Figure, you know, before you're going on that road trip or flying somewhere to another Absolutely. state. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But remember, there are no, other than Hawaii that I know of, I don't know of a state mm-hmm. that's got a uniform quarantine rule. Okay. I don't. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So let's talk about safety and risk right now. I think that's probably what everybody, is that what everyone's asking you right now, Peter? Is sort of like, how safe is it for me to travel? 
Yeah, they're, you know what? It's, they, may, they may not be asking you that, but they're thinking that. Mm-hmm. You know, the worst four-letter word that starts with F when it comes to travel is fear. And we're looking at this on a global level. This isn't regional. It's not state. It's not city. It's everybody. So everybody wants their security blanket. Everybody wants a guarantee that they not only can go and be safe, but if something happens, they can get back home. And have you seen any of those guarantees? The only guarantee I know about right now is that for Trump's uh, first big rally in Oklahoma next week, Mm -hmm. he's requiring the attendees to sign a waiver that if they come down with COVID-19, they're not going to sue Trump. Right. Now, think about that. What message does that tell you about his fear factor? (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. But I'm, I'm guessing that that's something that you've alerted us to across the entire travel industry, that all the lawyers have been at work drafting up sort of waivers, right? Well, sure. Look what just happened with United Airlines yesterday. They're the first airline. Alaska Airlines followed suit, and I suspect that American and Delta will do the same. United developed a program with the, with the Cleveland Clinic so that when you go to check in for your flight, whether you do it online at home or with their app or at a kiosk at the airport, you have to basically self-certify that you have not exhibited any COVID-19 symptoms for the last 14 days. You know, high temperature, chills, coughs, muscle pain, whatever. And then you have to certify that you have not been denied boarding by another airline. Now, it's the honor test. Right? Mm-hmm. Everybody can lie. Right. But why are they doing it then? If everybody can lie, why is United Airlines doing that self-certification? It's the lawyers. Because United Airlines, in this litigious world in which we live, United Airlines doesn't want to be sued claiming that, or with anybody alleging that, they boarded a passenger where they either didn't know the passenger's medical condition or that the airline didn't ask. So, Peter, of all the ways that we could travel or vacation, whether it's um, air, uh, you know, by plane, by train, by bus, by cruise ship, uh, what's the most dangerous? What's the most in terms of um, exposure? Well, dangerous in terms of accidents or dangerous in terms of COVID-19? COVID-19 exposure. That that hasn't really been determined. Okay. There, there's no statistic out there now that, that gives me that kind of a qualification. Uh, so I can't answer that. But I'll tell you this, I'd be on a plane tomorrow before I'd be riding in an elevator. That's true. There's been so much discussion about elevator safety. And of course, with these giant, especially for major cities with giant skyscrapers and how much activity elevator banks get and how many people they're transporting, uh, you know, hourly, it's pretty incredible. It's a tight space. Listen, the, the HEPA filters they have on airplanes right now are basically recirculating the air, purging out the old air, bringing in new air every three minutes for your entire flight. But that's the way it's always been. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I would have been on a plane 13 weeks ago if I could figure out where I was going to go. <laughs> I know. I know you would have. I mean, this is just not in your blood to stay this still. <laughs> no, I mean, that's not. why I'm like, this is not going to last long. <laughs> no, but you still have to do it sensibly. Right. You still have to have a good reason, and you still need to prepare. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to be silly about it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. be cavalier about it. You know, we'll be focused and we'll, we'll get the job done. I think you're saying, you know, don't be afraid. You know, you can't be foolish, but you don't need to live in fear right now. Yeah, my goal in life is not to wear a hazmat suit to bed. So, <laughs> you know, there, there, are way, there are levels of degrees of common sense. And 
I, you know, that's what you got to follow. So let's talk a little bit about airline safety. There's been sort of, you know, I think last time we talked, you said, you know, you have to wear a mask. But now I'm hearing from some people that some people are don't want to wear a mask. And some airlines aren't making necessarily enforcing. Like, how do they enforce you to wear a mask? Well, here's the biggest problem. You know that when you get on a plane, they tell you to fasten your seatbelt. And you, and you have to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's called an FAR, Federal Air Regulation. It's a regulation issued by the Federal Aviation Administration. So that if you don't wear your seatbelt, and the flight attendants can enforce that, and when the plane lands, you're taken off the plane by federal marshals because you violated a federal law by disobeying either an instruction from the flight attendant or by violating the FAR, the Federal Air Regulation. The problem with the masks is while everybody wants you to wear the mask and the airlines make it mandatory for their own flight crews to wear the mask, the FAA, in its infinite wisdom, has not made it a federal air regulation. Okay. So until they do that, what do the flight attendants have to stand behind to justify their behavior, right? Very good point. Yeah, Um, there you go. Peter, I'm going to let you continue that thought coming up, but I just want to throw the number out there, 312-981-7200. Peter is with us for the rest of the hour. We're so lucky to have him. If you've got a question about booking a trip or a trip you have coming up, and, of course, there's always those cancellation questions that you always get, Peter, (laughs) as well. Um, Peter is here, so uh, give us a call, 312-981-7200. More coming up. You know him as WGN Radio's Eye on Travel, Peter Greenberg. His show is on tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. But did you also know that he is a multiple Emmy-winning investigative reporter and producer? He's also the travel editor for CBS News. So we're lucky to have him. The number is 312-981-7200. We're going to... We have a lot to talk about RVs, road trips, you know, rental cars, theme parks, hotels, cruises. But right now, Peter, Bernadette is on the line and she has a question for you. Hi, Bernadette. You're live on the air. What's your question for Peter? Hi, thank you. So we have a family trip scheduled for the end of July, beginning of August, where we're traveling from Chicago to California to the Redwoods. And trying to do, like, go up the coast a little bit and, you know, do some of the national parks and things. And we're trying to figure out if there's, like, a, yay, we should do this or no, it's probably not going to happen. Or should we pick a date that we pull the trigger and say, okay, no, this isn't happening. Or, you know, will things be open? Is it worth it? Okay. Okay, lots of stuff there. <laughs> Bottom line yeah. is, it's a, it's a calculated risk. You know, barring an outbreak again... Uh, things should be wide open. Now, saying they're wide open in California means the national parks are going to be overcrowded. Uh, mm. Yosemite, you know, it's going to just be crazy. But keep in mind, there are, oh, there are more than 350 national parks in this country. So you have a, a, a number of choices to make that won't be crowded. Then the question is, how are you going to do it? I'm assuming you're going to either rent a car and drive. Right. Okay. That's the uh, plan. <laughs> That's the plan. Okay. And that also means you're going to be staying at hotels. Correct. Or Airbnbs. We sort of have plans for both. Okay. Okay. Well, then it's up to you to figure out the protocols, other than the basic PPE stuff and the basic hygiene protocols, as to how do you know that they cleaned your room? How do you know that that the housekeeping really did a good job? What mm-hmm. protocols did they follow? And you need to ask those questions before you get there. Uh, and if you get there and you're not satisfied with the answers, 
I would hope you paid with a credit card so you can dispute the charge and not and not do it. Uh, now, it's my understanding, and it's also been my experience that based on the last three months, all of these other you know establishments, whether they're restaurants, Airbnb, hotels, either mom and pops or big chains, it's in their best interest to do a great job of of cleaning and and, and hygiene. Mm-hmm. But that's you know that's the way to do it. Now the other way to do it is maybe you get to Los Angeles or, or San Francisco and you rent an RV. Mm. And, ah, right. Now, you're, now you rent an RV, which is your own self-contained quarantine mobile, and you're only stopping for groceries and gas. You know where you're sleeping every night. You know where you're eating every night. And here's a little thing I just learned, which many people I don't think know, uh, unless they're RVers, and I'm not, I'm learning this, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of Walmarts around the country that will let you park your RV there for the night with you in it. And they even give you free Wi-Fi in the parking lot. So if you get to a state park and their campground is full or you get to a national park and the same thing is there, look for a Walmart. I think that's a brilliant idea. Bernadette, um, would you ever consider renting an RV? You know what? We would love to. I think that'd be super fun. There's two families going, so maybe two separate ones or one big one. I think it'd be super fun. Well, Although I, I do want to give you one caution, and, and and you'll thank me for this. If you do rent one, whether it's one for one family or, or two for two families, make sure you spend enough time with the dealer learning how mm-hmm. to turn right. <laughs> <laughs> and backing up. <laughs> yeah, that too. And then rent the uh, the movie with Robin Williams about RVs. You'll love it. Oh, right. well, thank you, Bernadette. Thank you. Good luck That's to great. you. Thank you. Yeah, good luck. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, yeah, Peter, this is huge. I've been reading so many articles about RVs and their popularity. And yeah. I, and are there plenty of places where people can rent RVs, or are they really hard to come by now? Well, they're getting harder to come by because it's not the most original idea since we started talking about it back in uh, mm-hmm. end of February, early March. It's look, it makes sense. Yeah, uh, you know, it's economical, especially now that fuel prices are down. Uh, you know, RVs are not really really known for their great gas mileage, <laughs> but if, but if you're selling fuel at a dollar ninety or two dollars a gallon. Uh, in that vicinity, it's a whole lot better than $5 a gallon. And all of a sudden, you know, if you're splitting the cost with another family or you're dividing it by the number of people in yours, the actual cost isn't that bad. Well, I'm just wondering, um, when you do rent an RV, what sort of waivers you have to sign? I was just thinking, I never thought about, like, actually driving it and practicing those right turns. Well, you know what? It's not difficult to drive it once you actually do the practice. And the waivers that you're going to sign are no different than the waivers you'd be signing mm-hmm. if you rented a car. It's just a higher deductible. Mm-hmm. And is that what you're hearing right now? Is just everyone is still, I know you've been talking about road trips and how this has just become the way that a lot of people are thinking about traveling um, in the near future. Well, look, people are, go- are coming back to flying. But they're not bouncing back. They're inching back. So to give you an idea, uh, back in April, uh, the TSA only screened about 84,000 people one day. On a normal day, they're screening 2.7 million. So that was a fraction, I mean, a real small fraction. About a week and a half ago, they got up to about 500,000 people, which represented about 18% of the total number that they would normally do. Uh, now... They're in the, like the, the high 300s, early 400,000 range, still a small number. 
But it's not stopping airlines like American from taking a lot of planes out of parking lots and getting them ready to come back and fly because there will be increased demand. That's no doubt about it. Will it be every plane full? Not even close. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long will the people take a flight? You know, not, not many Transcon flights, uh, but, you know, flights of under 1,200 miles, they'll start to come back. So, you know what? I'm not opposed to it. I think it's a great idea. But remember, in the old days, we never even thought a second thought about, you know, renting a car, getting on a plane, staying in a hotel. Now we want to know, where was that car before I got in it? Where was that plane before I got in it? You know, who was in my hotel room before I got in it? And it's incumbent upon the private sector to give us that information in a proactive way so that we feel better about what, we're, what we really want to do. Because remember, it's in our cultural DNA. We don't just want to travel. We need to travel. So, <laughs> right? That's it. Absolutely. Um, here's Carol, Peter. Hi, Carol. You're live on the air. What's your question for Peter Greenberg? Yeah. Yes, we're going to Spain at the end of S- September and October. How long does the country have to be open before the 14-day quarant- quarantine is, is lifted? Well, actually, it has nothing to do with when the country's open, because France is open right now. It's just not open to us. Uh, okay, remember, we're considered yeah. a hot spot. So Spain has been talking a lot about opening up in September, uh, and they're going to do it in phases. So you're almost at the cusp there, because when they open it up, the very first people they're inviting in aren't people in Chicago or New York. It's people in the European Union. Uh, it's people who are their neighbors. So it's... Uh, you know, you may not actually get the green light to go in without that 14-day quarantine as an American until the end of October. Now, it could advance, but there are no guarantees. The only thing you've got going in your favor right now is the airlines learned a very tough lesson about refunds, which we talk about all the time on my show. And now what the airlines are saying is, if you book a flight and you need to change it, no change fee. And if they cancel the flight because the country's closed, then you're entitled to a full refund. So if you want to roll the dice and take that calculated risk for your trip to Spain in September, do so. But remember, the fact that the country is open doesn't necessarily mean it's open to you. So how do we find that out if it's open to us? You listen to my radio show on Saturdays. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, So we probably could postpone it then until spring. Probably would be a better idea. If you want to not take the chance, I'd say yes. Yes, because we're in our late 70s, and, you know, who knows? If we get something, we'll probably never get back. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. No, 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 no. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. You're only as young as you feel. How do you feel? Wonderful. That's why we're going again. (laughs) All right. So you're going to be fine. But remember, if you're worried about the fact that you might want to go and they're going to do that 14-day quarantine because they haven't opened it up to U.S. citizens yet, then, you know, you're not not going to have any points taken away from your final score by moving it to spring. Great. Okay. Thanks for the help. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Carol, for calling in. Sounds like Carol's weighing that decision, huh, Peter? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, she's not alone. Yeah. And it's not age related. It's like, look, the subtext of what happened in the early stages of this disease spread were people who, it wasn't just about being worried about going somewhere. Mm -hmm. It was about worried about going somewhere and then not being able to get back home. And, you know, we heard so many countless stories of people that were stuck overseas and couldn't make it back home at all. Right. Oh, yeah. And believe it or not, and it's not getting a lot of publicity, there are still some repatriation flights happening. Oh, you're kidding. No, it's still going on. Yep. 
Okay, so Peter, we were talking a little bit about the airlines uh, before we talked to Carol, and I know you've been, you know, taking a sort of a t- the temperature of the airline industry in general as uh, the pandemic was uh, throughout this entire um, the last few months. How are they doing now in terms of um, business and economically, and and how's the industry? They're looking? doing they're doing less bad. Okay, how about that? <laughs> okay. Um, no, you know, no need to break out the champagne yet because there's no reason to. Uh, they're still flying at very low load factors. They're not making any money. Uh, they can't sustain this. But remember, they were bailed out by the government to the tune of about $58 billion to do what? To keep flying and to keep their staff employed through September 30th. So the government essentially paid them to fly empty planes. Not a lot of logic there. Because on September 30th, when those regulations expire and they don't have to keep everybody on staff, they won't. I mean, United, American, mm-hmm. and Delta have all, and Southwest, by the way, too, have already notified their staff to be prepared for large amounts of layoffs. Well, uh, coming up, I want to ask you a little bit, too, something that you were hoping for as we've been talking with you throughout this is that, you know, better customer service, um, better passenger rights. That's something that you were hoping that would come out of everything that's been happening throughout uh, this pandemic with the airline. So I want to check in with you and find out uh, in terms of grades what you're giving the airline industry and are they headed in the right direction as far as passenger rights and customer service go. So more with travel expert Peter Greenberg. The number here. 312-981-7200. Travel expert Peter Greenberg is with us. 312-981-7200 if you have a question for him. Peter, I so appreciate you being with us on a Friday evening. By the way, have you gone out to dinner at one of the Alfresco spots yet? Or is that even, what's going on there? I haven't, but next week I think I'm going to do it one night. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. All right. See, you might not be available on Friday nights now. (laughs) See? (laughs) <laughs> okay, so um, I saw a New York Times article. Uh, the headline was sort of, in fine print, airlines make it harder to fight for passenger rights. Um, so they were saying that they were adding clauses that require passengers to settle disputes in private arbitration rather than in court. I know this is something that you've been talking about uh, for a long time. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, here we go with the lawyers again. The airlines had a really painful experience because of the pandemic. To give you an example of how much money we're talking about, Delta Airlines alone had to write about $1.4 billion in refunds back to passengers, right? Mm -hmm. But guess what? They should have. Because under the DOT rule, if the airline cancels the flight, you're entitled to a full refund for whatever you paid for your ticket, even if it was a non-refundable ticket. And a lot of airlines were playing games. They were like offering you vouchers claiming that you didn't qualify for a refund, when in fact that went entirely against the, the, the DOT rule that's already been in place for years. So, you know what, that lends, lends itself to people disputing charges on credit cards, small claims courts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to get crazy. And the lesson to be learned from the airlines is this does not engender goodwill. It's the worst thing you could do. Uh, and, you know, if you want to build trust among your passengers – who have to build up trust in terms of their own health situations, in terms of the environment, in terms of, you know, being able to trust hotels and tour operators and cities and states. What about the airlines? They don't trust the airlines. These people are never going to leave to go to those other places anyway. So it's, it's high time that the federal government come in. I know this is a a very dangerous word, (laughs) re-regulation. However, what is truly needed And it has to be on a a federal level 
because under deregulation laws, the states can't get involved. There has to be a federal passenger bill of rights. has to happen. And isn't it interesting now that the airlines are now saying, oh, yeah, if you want to change your ticket, no fee. If you want to do this, no fee. Mm-hmm. Really, then the point is, why will there be fees later? The airlines made more money last year, in 2019, from ancillary fees than they made operating as airlines. There's something wrong wow. with that. Wow. Whoa. I, didn't know, I did not know that statistic. Yep, True. I'll give you another one. The airlines made more money last year from operating their frequent flyer programs than they made operating as airlines. Really? Sure. It's a huge profit center for the airlines because every year, Citibank, Chase, or American Express writes humongous checks to the airlines to buy what? Those airline miles. Yes. And that's what we want. We want to use our credit card for those airline miles. And look, 54% of all airline miles earned are earned with those credit cards, not by flying. So now they buy, we're talking big checks of over a billion dollars each to each airline from these banks. And now they know full well when they buy that mileage that the redemption levels of that mileage can be under 9%. To put that in perspective, Mafia loan sharks don't get that kind of return on their loans. (laughs) So we are all becoming mileage addicts, frequent flyer, you know, Mm -hmm. complete demented people. And I'm one of them. And the airlines then make it not only more difficult to redeem those miles, they make it even more difficult to earn them. So they know going in, their ROI on the mileage program is a slam dunk. And that's the way they finance. Now, here we are in a financial crisis situation. What's the very first thing the airlines did? They went back to the banks and said, can we sell you more miles? Mm-hmm. And you know what the banks did? They bought them. Oh, wow. So now, how many unredeemed frequent flyer miles are there out there? These are miles that are eligible to be redeemed, but are so tough to redeem because the airlines make it so difficult. Take a guess. How many unredeemed miles are there out there? Um, millions upon millions? <laughs> okay, you're not going to the showcase showdown. <laughs> it's 23 trillion. Whoa! Oh, wow. I was really off. So, anybody listening to this show tonight or to my show tomorrow, if you have miles, start redeeming them. I don't trust the airlines as airlines. Why would I trust them as banks? They keep changing the rules on eligibility levels and the value of those miles, and it's not ever acting in your favor. So this is a perfect time while you're sitting at home watching reruns of Wheel of Fortune to check out your mileage and then pick a place for October, November, December that you've never been to, that you've always wanted to go, and cash in those miles now. It's the best time to do it because there's availability. Okay, that is great advice, Peter. And realistically, do you think this passenger bill of rights will ever happen? Uh, Under this administration, probably not. Okay. However, we have an election this year. Okay, gotcha. All right. Okay, so Peter, I know that earlier we had that lovely listener who was going to be driving um, all the way to California to try to see the Redwoods, and we sort of got on a discussion of hotels and Airbnbs. Yeah. I know that before you've talked about how sort of all the hotel chains are going to be announcing comprehensive cleaning plans. So, oh, yeah, they've done it. Yeah, yeah so they've done it. Would you trust a hotel more than you would trust an Airbnb and sort of a VRBO and um, that? Well, or? you know what? There's no one answer for that. But what the Airbnb people are doing in many cases is saying, 
you can't just stay one night. You have to stay at least a week or 10 days because otherwise they can't turn the room and clean it again. And they have to have a period of time between you and the next guest. And that's where they lose a lot of money. Uh, now, the hotels that have announced these new cleaning programs, Hilton has, done, has partnered uh, with the Mayo Clinic, and other hotels have partnered with Johns Hopkins and with the Cleveland Clinic. They've made a very public display of the process they go through in your room to get it ready for you. In the, in the case of Hilton, they go one step further. When they finish all the electro, electrostatic spraying and antiseptic uh, disinfecting, they close the door and literally seal it. And the only way that seal is broken is when you check in. So you know nobody's been in there. Right. Okay. Um, speaking of cleanliness, in terms of theme parks, would you go to a theme park? Do you feel that they're going to be <laughs> clean enough? Well, I'm right just... now, it's not about cleanliness for me. It's about a different experience. So, look, <laughs> what, is a, what is a theme park if not large social gatherings and shared experiences in relatively confined spaces? Well, right now, as Disney World in Florida is beginning to welcome visitors and they're about to reopen in Los Angeles or in Anaheim, what are they doing? All right, we know they're going to do temperature checks when you come in, but then they're going to limit the number of people in the park at any one time. Social distancing will be strictly enforced, which means I'm going to be on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in my own boat with nobody <laughs> near me. That's not enticing to me. right? You're going to, put, you're going to put me on a roller coaster by myself. Who am I going to scream at and hug? I mean, so... It's going to change in terms of the, the actual design of the experience for the moment. Uh, and, for, and for people who are Disney fanatics, I have to tell you, the character greetings will no longer involve hugs with Mickey. Oh, you're that's right. A big, that's a, for some of my people, that's a deal breaker. You know that. So. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And by the way, did you hear about the in Japan that they're asking for people not to scream? No screaming at all at J- Japanese amusement parks. Yeah, well, good luck. <laughs> Listen, if you've been to Dis- uh, Disney World and there's uh, the, the Hollywood Tower of Terror, there's no way you're not going to scream. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been in that one. That one's, uh, yeah, definitely right? screaming. When the elevator drops, come uh-huh. on, it's yeah. over. You know. Okay, so we've talked about airlines, hotels, theme parks. Okay, cruises. What, where's your stance on cruises right now on booking uh, cruises? If you want to book a cruise, go for 2021. They will be back. If you want to book for 2020, you're delusional. Um, and the reason for that is... <laughs> wow. Uh, it, yeah, I don't, I'm not mincing words, but I'll tell you why. The Centers for Disease Control issued a no-sail order for all U.S.-based cruise ships that extend through July 24th. Canada has banned all cruise ships of any part through October 31st. But it is my... It's my intuition speaking here and also my experience that as we get closer to July 24th, I would not be the least surprised if the CDC didn't extend that no-sale order through the end of October. So unless for a couple of Christmas or Thanksgiving cruises, your best bet, book for 2021. Okay, gotcha. In terms of uh, the hospitality industry, I know that you, I mean, this is, I mean, this is very much, um, you your heart is is with the hospitality industry right now. How are you? What's how are you feeling that they're doing? Are they gonna? Are they slowly going to be able to recover from this? Are you hearing that the devastation is going to take years for the recovery? Well, it depends on the hotel. Meaning, if it's a big meeting and convention hotel like the New York Hilton or the Marriott Marquis in New York, there's no reason they're going to open up until next year because there's no meetings and no conventions. Uh, 
if it's another hotel, it doesn't matter about the brand. It matters who owns that hotel. Mm-hmm. Remember, Marriott and Hilton and Hyatt and Intercontinental, they're management companies. They only have equity in maybe 1% to 2% of the whole total number of hotels they manage. So the real key here is who owns those hotels, and are they able to maintain debt service, which is a very difficult thing to do today when there's nobody in your hotel and the building's closed. So you're going to see a lot of hotels not come back. Okay. All right. Also wanted to ask you about passports. And I'm asking you as somebody who not only has her license expired, because my license expired throughout this pandemic, and also my passport is about to expire. And you also lost your earring down the drain. I got it. (laughs) It's been a rough time. No, just kidding. But um, yeah, so I'm hearing that there's going to be a huge delay for passports for people that want to get those renewed too. Well, Actually, there's a huge delay now because there's no U.S. passport office that's really open right now. Uh They're going to start to open by July 1st. But here's the problem. If you have a passport that has less than six months of validity on it, in many cases, you can't even leave the country because there are a lot of countries that won't let you enter with less than 180 days of validity. Or there are some countries, like South Africa, that if you don't have at least two free passport pages with nothing on them on your passport, they won't let you in. I didn't know that. So if you need a passport renewed, start mailing them out now uh, because it's going to be a while. Uh, And when they do reopen these passport offices, they're only going to be processing these applications on life-or-death situations and huge medical or family emergencies. Uh, Maybe by August or September they'll get back on track. But, you know, look at your passport now. See when it expires. And if it doesn't expire for two or three years, you're fine. If it expires in this November, you got a problem because it's within that six months and a lot of countries won't let you in. Well, of course, Peter, you've got uh, your Travel Detective series as well. Um, and then, then, of course, you have Eye on Travel, which you can hear on WGN Radio here tomorrow at, uh, starting at 4 o'clock. And I follow, uh, on Twitter, you said, you know, tomorrow I'm going to be talking about the inevitable intersection between the Black Lives Matter movement and the travel experience. Um, it's, so um, can you tell us a little bit about what you've, you've got going on? Yeah, I could just tell you this in one sentence. <laughs> Racism does not take a vacation when you do. It's everywhere. It's, it's the other pandemic. And for those people who remember that movie, The Green Book, mm-hmm. that's not new. Mm-hmm. That's been going on for decades. It may have a different title. It may have a different, you know, a different manifestation. But there are so many things that people have not recognized. They've not. They've either been consciously uh, unaware. How about that for an oxymoron? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll, I, I use that intentionally. And and you know, the George Floyd incident has inevitably opened the door for us to understand that there is a connection, and that we need to recognize it. We need to understand it. We need to deal with it. We need to change. And so part of the show tomorrow, we'll be talking about that. And we'll be talking about everything else in the travel experience as well. Wow, that sounds fascinating. Uh, Can't wait to listen and tune in. Peter, thank you so much for uh, being with us. I don't know how you do it all. You're the busiest man I know. Well, right now I'm going nowhere, so guess what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad we caught you on a Friday evening, and I can't wait wait to talk to you next time and hear about your experience dining out, because you say you're going to do that this coming week. I am, and I'll talk to everybody else in Chicagoland tomorrow afternoon. Absolutely. Eye on Travel with Peter Greenberg tomorrow, right here on WGN Radio, starting at 4 o'clock. Thanks, Peter. You got it. Have a good weekend. You take care.